Warning, the following content may include sensitive material for some listeners, including discussions around topics like sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, varying forms of abuse, and harassment. Listener discretion is advised. Southern Arkansas University's motto is that their university feels like home. But unless that home is mentally, verbally, sexually, and financially abusive, then their motto is nothing but a lie. Here on this podcast, we are going to examine why. I'm your host, Astrid, a former Southern Arkansas University student, and this is It Feels Like Home. Southern Arkansas University, or SAU as it's more commonly referred to, is a public university that was created over a century ago. Back then, it was actually called the Third District Agricultural School, or TDAS. In the beginning, TDAS taught young people scientific agricultural practices, home economics for that time, and academic subjects that were equivalent to roughly a high school degree. And this is where Southern Arkansas University eventually got their iconic mascot, the Mule Rider. So to start, a mule is the offspring of a male donkey, also referred to as a jack, and a female horse, also commonly referred to as a mare. Mules are not to be confused with hennies, which are the offsprings of a female donkey referred to as a jenny and a male horse referred to as a stallion. In the early and mid-1900s, mules were a really essential part in the southern part of the United States, including southern Arkansas, to agriculture, to games, to travel, to general life in the south. It wasn't uncommon for people, even students who were attending TDAS, to use mules as their primary form of transportation around the county. The early football players would ride to their coach's house, which was to the north of campus, on mules. And so the football coach eventually got into the habit of referring to these people as, quote-unquote, my mule riders. And the rest, as they say, is history. But we aren't here to go through the whole entire history and background of Southern Arkansas University, even though some of it is helpful within this context. We're here to talk about the history of abuse and scandals at Southern Arkansas University, and how for years they have continuously not taken accountability, and tried to sweep everything under the rug so that their pristine image and reputation is left untarnished. Now, I'll admit, that's worked in their favor for several years now. But everything started to change on April 21st of 2021 at 4 p.m., when I got a Facebook message from an account that I didn't recognize stating that they were told to message me by a mutual friend. You see, I had left SAU in the fall of 2019. And really, ever since leaving the university, I had been wanting to speak up about my experience with them. However, I realized that there wasn't a lot of power with just one voice. 
I had been waiting for quite a while at that point for other people to come forward to me and state that they were interested in talking about SAU and seeing if we could do anything about it. So when I got that Facebook message, I realized it was finally go time. Those Facebook messages eventually led to a collaboration between three different people, myself included. Now, over the course of the first episode, I'm going to be telling a loose timeline of my experience with SAU and reading my petition to SAU as well. In the following episodes, you're going to hear from the other two founders of this movement, as well as other people that we've had participate and express interest. But anyways, without further ado, I attended Southern Arkansas University from the fall of 2017 to the fall of 2019. This is my story and experience with my former university, and it is by no means unique. Early in the fall of 2017, I was sexually harassed by two male students, and they went on to make rape jokes about me. This made me uncomfortable, especially since I knew one of the men had a criminal record. I reported them to the Title IX board, and Dean Carrie Baker proceeded to give them the equivalent of a slap on the wrist. I requested a meeting with him in order to better understand his side and to more effectively communicate mine. I hoped communicating in person would help us to come to a compromise or an understanding. Instead, the meeting didn't even last five minutes because Dean Baker became very defensive. His face and neck grew red and he began to raise his voice at me. I left immediately when he began to yell. Additionally, Dean Baker told me that the harassment and retaliation I faced from these two men and their friends wasn't harassment. Examples of their text messages included calling me a dog and a whore for reporting them. I woke up to texts like these daily for weeks, and Dean Baker said that wasn't enough to qualify as harassment. This stark example of unprofessionalism and inability to be held accountable led to me not ever reporting two sexual assaults that I experienced on campus later on, one in my freshman year and one in my sophomore year. In the fall of 2018, I began my job as a resident assistant. Early in the semester, a male student that was notorious on campus for being predatory harassed a resident that was in my hall. I was called into the the Title IX office to speak about the offender in my resident. I attempted to tell them about how my roommate the previous year was targeted by this offender and about how I had even experienced inappropriate behavior from this person too. They wouldn't let me speak, and they told me to my face, quote-unquote, that they weren't interested in hearing about my roommates or my experience. It would still be weeks and take a few more girls speaking up to have this offender move to a different hall, but he was yet again allowed to attend school. That same semester, before this predatory student was removed and placed in a different residence hall, I ended up having to report him for possession of alcohol. I later learned that the student had obtained the alcohol from someone on the housing staff that worked as an assistant resident director. From my understanding, he was let go. But before this incident, he had behaved inappropriately around female students and had watched and filmed one of them undress. He was not let go for those incidents but he was let go when he bought alcohol for a 20-year-old student and provided it for him. 
In the spring of 2019, I made the mistake of taking a class from Dr. Pierre Boomchi. I only stayed in the class for a little while because Dr. Boomchi was a nightmare. He made two different students cry. He ranted about how lazy and entitled all American people are and created an environment of fear. On his tests, he graded so strictly that if you did not repeat a definition word for word, the entire answer was wrong. I was almost an entirely straight-A student throughout the course of my entire life until I took Dr. Boomchi's class. I dropped his class before the final date to do so. I asked for help in the Overstreet building for dropping his class and returned every single piece of paperwork that was required. But a couple of weeks later, I was told that I hadn't actually dropped the class correctly. I was informed that now the only person who could fix this was Dr. Boomchi himself. I requested a meeting with him and explained the entire situation. He told me that I needed to be a real adult and take accountability, and that I was the one who had messed up, and that he refused to fix my grade on my transcript. Thus, he would give me an incorrect withdrawal and a failing grade unless I met with him several days out of the week for the rest of the semester. I could, in his words, maybe scrape by with a D. Wanting to preserve my mental health and not having the time to meet with him as a full-time student and employee, I decided to take the withdrawal and failing grade and try to fight the decision elsewhere. Ultimately, I was unsuccessful. Dr. Boomchi's decision to not help me in a situation where I wasn't at fault resulted in my 3.9 GPA dropping and me losing one of my scholarships. I had to take summer classes out of pocket to gain that scholarship back. In the fall of 2019, I decided to leave school in September after a suicide attempt and my uncle dying while I was in the hospital. I went through the entire withdrawal process, completed the paperwork, and gained all of the necessary signatures. I paid any leftover fees I had and returned every single item that I had to. Despite the fact that that was almost two years ago now, Southern Arkansas University has sent me countless letters for $2,402.60. That's totally incorrect, though, considering that, one, I had enough scholarships that my schooling was almost free, and that, two, my resident assistant job on top of my scholarships made it to where my schooling was free. I had to purchase textbooks, but that was it. I have made numerous phone calls to SAU since October of 2020 and been reassured each time that the problem would be handled. It never has been. Recently, I was informed that someone had misplaced the medical paperwork that proved I was indeed at Bridgeway Hospital for a suicide attempt in August of 2019. This was why I still had a balance because in the system, I hadn't withdrawn properly. I was told that I can sit in the obituary for my uncle's death, and that would suffice to be my excuse from withdrawing from school. Shortly after that, I receive another letter asking for the almost 2500 again. I call, exasperated, to figure out why on earth I still owe money and why the university was making me relive one of the worst weeks of my life. I was told that since it was, quote, only my uncle, unquote, 
that the death in the family excuse wouldn't qualify. SAU evidently thinks that everyone is fortunate enough to have the stereotypical close-knit nuclear family and that only immediate familial deaths count. Unfortunately, I didn't have that exact familial setup. My uncle was one of the most important people in my life and was one of the biggest influences on me. My uncle is only the man who taught me my love of education and learning. My uncle is only the man who bought me books and textbooks as a child and encouraged me to read all of them. My uncle is only the man who made me believe in myself enough to share my talent as a writer. My uncle is only the man who made me believe that I was smart and taught me how to use that. My uncle is only the man who gave me a medical textbook at the age of seven and upon me seeing a photo of Marilyn Manson covered in tattoos and piercings and becoming scared, told me that there's nothing to fear, some people just like to express themselves in different ways. My uncle was only a professor at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville for most of his career, and would be beyond disappointed in my experience with the university, an institution of learning, if he were still here today. Today, May 4th, 2021, as written in the petition, I was told by the university that I could be credited $500 for the death in my family, but that I still owed them $2,000 until I was able to track down my medical paperwork from Bridgeway Hospital and send it to them. Meaning, I had to do their job for them after their mistake, or I'm still in debt because the death of my uncle wasn't enough. At the time of writing this uh, petition, I was tracking down the paperwork, but the stress that this situation had already placed on top of me was already beyond tumultuous. My experience at Southern Arkansas University was unimaginably negative, despite the fact that I gave money to the university, worked for them as a resident assistant, a desk worker, and a social media ambassador despite the fact that I founded and ran an organization on their campus, an organization that would attract more students and encourage more participation on campus. Despite everything that I gave to that university, it's still not enough, I guess, just like my uncle's untimely death. Southern Arkansas University needs to be held accountable for their inability to hold their own employees accountable protect their students, and false promises of an experience that feels like home, unless that home happens to be mentally, verbally, sexually, and financially abusive. They also need to reevaluate their policies, namely judging how traumatic a student's experience of a traumatic event was, and if that deems them able to withdraw from university without penalty. Now, as an update to some of those specific things I mentioned in the petition, so I eventually did get my debt cleared with the university, literally as of a few days ago. Um, What eventually happened was I contacted my dad um, because he's a pack rat and he keeps on to every single piece of paperwork that enters his hands. Um, he, He had a record of some of the health insurance, their paperwork for the billing for Bridgeway Hospital, and it said the dates that I was there um, in the year, obviously. So 
thankfully, I was able to eventually send that in after much, much searching on my dad's part and him taking a bunch of time out of his day to correct a very, very shocking mistake. After the petition reached well over 100 signatures, I decided to send the president of the university, Dr. Barry, an email with a list of demands. The following is the text from that email. Dr. Barry, I am reaching out again due to the fact that both petitions have now reached well over 100 signatures. I am submitting a list of demands for my own petition and the material within it. To start, Reevaluation of the withdrawal policies at Southern Arkansas University, as well as omitting the rule about once certain family members qualifying as an excuse. Not everyone has the stereotypical nuclear and close-knit family. Some people are close to their immediate family, some aren't. Picking and choosing which traumas are valid enough for one to withdraw without penalties is frankly gross and offensive. Dean Carrie Baker's termination and an immediate overhaul of the Title IX board. The student body, both current and former, should be able to vote upon the individuals who they see fit to serve on the board. There should also be a reevaluation with student input on the Title IX policies at SAU. I don't believe that I need to include the BuzzFeed article describing Taylor Moore's experience trying to report her sexual assault on campus, but just in case, it's linked at the bottom of this email. This university has sent me, recount, sent me countless requests for $2,500 after losing the paperwork that granted me a medical withdrawal from school. That was due to the fact that I had attempted suicide and my uncle died while I was at Bridgeway Hospital. I understand that my uncle wasn't legally my parent, but he was undoubtedly one of the biggest positive influences on my life. Almost everything I am It is because of him, because he loved me, and because he believed in me. I have had to relive for months now what was arguably the worst week of my life, as I had to rehash every single day in that hospital why I wanted to end things. Chronic illnesses, years of abuse and relationships, being raped at 16, and being drugged and molested at 17 have all been significant contributing factors to that decision. Being forced to think of that, being threatened by a credit company, all over your university's mistake has wrecked havoc on my mental health, which was already strained because we just made it out of a pandemic. This is why I'm requesting that Southern Arkansas University makes a $1,000 donation to the Arkansas Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Additionally, a $1,000 donation to Arkansas Mental Health Outreach, NAMI Arkansas. Finally, a $500 donation to the Arkansas Education Association due to the fact that my uncle was an educator his entire life. In finality, a total of $2,500 in donations. I am looking forward to your response, and I hope that this email finds you well. Dr. Barry has, still to this day, not responded. Now, the BuzzFeed article that I referenced in my email to um, Dr. Trey Berry is about a former SAU student named Taylor Moore um, who tried to report her sexual assault on campus and had a terrible fucking experience. 
The following BuzzFeed article was published on July 1st of 2016 and is written by BuzzFeed News reporter Marianne Georgian-Poulos. Quoting directly from the article, Taylor Moore hesitated when her Southern Arkansas University classmate asked her to come over one night in December around 11 p.m. They'd been casually spending time together for a couple of months, and he convinced her after saying it was the night before his birthday. The two began fooling around in his dorm room. Moore was naked under the covers when the boy's roommate unexpectedly walked in. Moore was 19 at the time, and she said that her friend assured her the roommate was getting a book. It was finals week, and he would leave. Moore and her friend lay in bed on their sides facing each other. She had her back towards the room. After a few minutes, she felt a hand on her skin. She flipped around to see the roommate standing above her, completely naked, his penis erect. He started grabbing at her butt and vaginal area. Moore screamed and demanded that he stop. Shh, he answered. No, I'm not going to be quiet and you need to stop touching me, she said. The man that she was visiting didn't react or say a word. She got out of bed to get dressed. Are you really going to leave now? He asked her. Yes. Did you see just what happened? Moore told him. She wanted to call someone for help. She reached for her phone under the man's phone on his desk. She accidentally hit the home button on his phone in the process, revealing multiple unread text message notifications between the man and his roommate sent before they got into bed. She didn't read the messages but Moore later told BuzzFeed News it led her to believe the roommate's arrival was pre-planned. Moore went to her best friend's dorm room nearby, where, fighting off tears, she told her what happened. As they were talking, the man texted Moore. His text stated, I apologize for what happened. I promise I didn't know he was there or that he was going to touch you. I will handle this, and I really am sorry. Moore reported the incident to campus police, university officials, and prosecutors, starting an almost seven-month process that she said was mishandled. According to the article, it looks like Moore started off by reporting the assault to the Southern Arkansas University Chief of Police, Jeff Jester. But Jester allegedly told Moore that there was no crime because there wasn't any penetration, which is factually incorrect. So Jester then told her that she should talk to Carrie Baker, the associate dean of students at the time. Jester didn't return any phone calls or emails from BuzzFeed News to elaborate further on this. On December 10th, Moore met with Dean Baker. He allegedly told her that he would investigate because he agreed with her that she might have potentially been set up by the two men. However, hours after Moore spoke to Dean Baker, she got text messages from the man that she was in bed with and a couple of friends of his that were unrelated to the incident. One of the messages was directly from the friend, and it goes, I hope you know you fucked my life up over false accusations. The preferred statement of men who just got caught in their web of lies and who don't want to be caught in their web of lies. And just like in my case of harassment, 
Dean Baker and the school ultimately decided that all of these messages that Moore kept on getting were not classified as harassment. Ultimately, it appears that the only form of punishment that the roommate who sexually assaulted Moore ever got was a year-long suspension from school. And we've all seen how a slap on the wrist for a sexual predator often goes. Next time on It Feels Like Home podcast, you'll be hearing the official timeline of the events that have taken place since the Coalition to Hold SAU Accountable formed. You'll also be hearing from one of our founders, Sierra. She'll be sharing her experience with the university, as well as reading parts from her petition, which actually came right before mine. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on any platform that you utilize to listen to podcasts. Additionally, make sure you like our Facebook page, It Feels Like Home Podcast, in order to stay up to date with any announcements and the release of new episodes.